take 55. We've come, we've, you know, we've made it a full year week's worth plus three extra weeks of episodes. And today we are diving into the indie movie scene. Uh, we're going to get a little, um, what's the word for it? I can't think of the word for it, but we're, we're going to feel very pretentious today, which is good. You got to break out that moment every so often. We are going to start off the day with something that's probably about as big as movies can get. There was a new Star Wars trailer this week, The Rise of Skywalker. We're going to talk about it, give us some of your, give you guys some of our thoughts. After that, Tanner is going to start our indie segment off with talking about the big five studios. And once we get a little intro from there, we're going to talk about The Lighthouse. Yes, we did finally see it. We finally saw it. We've got some great thoughts. I think me and Tanner, you guys are just going to find out what we thought about it. Following the Lighthouse review, we are going to give you a some sweet film history and talk about the history of indie movies, where they started, where they are now, and top it all off for you, the cherry. Like cherries, so like, I don't know, whatever you would want on top, like just extra whipped cream, I guess. That's what I prefer. Extra whipped cream on top, our top five slash fave five slash essential five indie films of all time. It's going to be a great episode. It's a jam-packed episode. This is your boy, The Sweet Keeks. Who do we got on the other line? Oh, wow. What an intro. What an intro. And to start this takeoff, right out of the gate, I watched Kung Fury last night. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) So, Brooks, I had to tell you, right out of the gate, take 55 at the very beginning, I saw it. And it was the most outrageous, great 30 minutes of my life. Now, I will say this. If you are bored here in the next few days and you're like, and you have an hour, even 30 minutes, and you're like, what am I going to watch? Just type in Kung Fury on YouTube and watch it. Take the time. It really is. It's a, it's, that's exactly what it is. It's a great, it's a great fun watch. And it sets up a cool <laughs> little, you know, it sets up some cool moments that they're definitely going to incorporate into Kung Fury 2, which hopefully is like a feature film because the whole 40 minutes flew by. Talk about an indie film right out of the (laughs) gate. I know. (laughs) Um, So to, to, to kind of end the Kung Fury talk so we can get into our star Wars, I was looking at the comment section. I'm a big fan of the comment section and somebody commented and said, I was so high watching this, I thought it was four hours long. <laughs> so anyone who has watched it high, um, let us know. Does it feel like it's four hours long? I don't know if I'm going to take that plunge, but I'm definitely trip. curious. I, oh, it would be a oh, I can't. Trip. Anyways, I am great. I'm excited for this take. And to start it off, last Monday, we got the Star Wars trailer during Monday Night Football. And... I was a little underwhelmed. It's just a trailer. I'd always take it for a grain of salt. Keeks, what did what did you think? Yeah, oh gosh. Um I think same as you, but I liked that though. Kind of in our reactions that we uploaded. I liked the fact that I felt underwhelmed because now it's like, okay, I can go in. I don't really know what to expect. I I've totally stayed away from all sorts of Reddits and 4chans and 69chans and all of the other chans that you can exist out there. And I just don't want to see anything that happens. You guys know what happened to me before The Force Awakens. The only time I've ever gone to 4chan, the freaking main page was just a picture of Kylo Ren stabbing um, 
spoilers for anyone who maybe doesn't know, lives under a rock. Um, him stabbing Han Solo in the chest. I was Patrick, so mad. Patrick Star. <laughs> I was so mad. But no, I think Rise of Skywalker, they're just going to throw, they've, they realized they're going to do a huge course correction. They're probably going to retcon some things. And it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a fun time. J.J. Abrams knows how to do big, fun times. Will it be yeah. great? I don't know. Be fun. I, yeah, and it'll be fun, and that's the big thing. You, you remember you and I, Last Jedi. I almost did. I almost didn't even get any sleep before. It Last felt like Jedi. the best Christmas I've ever had. I, I was so excited, and I just remember walking out of the theater. I was like, "What? What? <laughs> what? Who is Ray?" It felt like it felt like, you know walking out of <laughs> and like you know, and I was like, "What? Leia could fly in this space like that?" I mean, it was just. I think JJ will do a good job with Rise of Skywalker, and I'm like you. Will it be great? Who knows? Will it be bad? Who knows? But my expectations are really low, and I'm I'm going in with an open mind and hoping that it is entertaining. It's going to be a two and a half hour long movie, two two hours and thirty five minutes. Honestly, I wish time. we could get three. I, I wish we they could just make it as long as they want. They could do that. They could just make it as long as they want. And, you know, yeah. And then side note, I think it's hilarious how people just bag on Star Wars, and it was the most uh selling ticket prices means the most selling uh that sold yes, out that tickets. was according to adam tickets it, though i don't know if that's all time yeah, and it's apparent and it's apparent because i got on and i try and i got on after two hours the tickets went on sale and i could not find a theater finally i found five tickets to the district at 9 45 <laughs> on thursday december 19th and they're not great like two two seats are together and three seats are like basically out in salt lake city <laughs> yeah so. they're just sitting up on on in the uintas having to watch it with a pair of binoculars yeah great seats though um everyone you know yeah, if you, you still know, want tickets the theater, it's, it'll fly be out to arkansas because i was just looking the other day and like there's still tons of tickets and good spots left out here in arkansas so oh my god Utah's. Fa- I, feel, I feel like everything just sells out in Utah so fast it's true, and there's so many theaters. It's yeah. Amazing. Also, um, again, um, I'm gonna I'll give free ads to this all day. AMC A list. Uh, you you guys don't pay me a cent to say this. It, what it's an amazing service. I got both my Rise of Skywalker tickets for me and Becky for free. So are you, are you kidding? It's awesome. I absolutely love it. Dang, we're ready. Yeah, I, I might look into that. Apparently, apparently, Megaplex here in Utah has uh, something similar. $15 membership for two movies and like 15, 15% off treats or something Do like AMC. that. Man, rest in peace, movie pass. I will always bring it up. It was just... It was too good to be true, man. We, might we it. ruined it, too. We exploited we might, the heck out of that thing. Sorry, movie we pass. Might do have, we might have to do a sweet film, sweet film pass. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, Patreon, give us, give us $15 a month and we'll figure out how to get you yeah. tickets. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get into <clears throat> this review. You know Lighthouse. what? Before you do so, this, before you do this, we received what we'll do. We'll always do this is whenever we get a new review on iTunes is we will read it on the pod. Oh, yeah. Let you guys yeah. know. We got a super awesome review this week from the re- user two more mile. This was on Thursday. The heading was movie genius. Five stars, thank you, five stars. Um, yeah, we love five stars, you know? Anything lower than that, 
Um, <laughs> it, it just today it doesn't exist. You got to fill up all the stars. If you don't fill up all the stars, your view doesn't count. So give us five stars. We love that. Uh, one of, he two more miles says one of my favorite things to do is listen to this podcast discussing a specific movie about a day after I've seen that movie. The perspectives they provide are further in depth than I am able to analyze myself on my own. And I really like to be able to understand plot and characters and movie concepts to a much deeper level. Great job. Wow. It's not going to change today. And I promise you, I promise you that's not from my aunt. <laughs> no. <laughs> that we know of. No, that's a really, we really appreciate that review. And um, that's awesome. Like that makes, makes, makes our heart swell. And again, Reach out to us of any movies you want us to um, review, or if you saw a movie, give us your take on it, because we will read it on the pod, and we want to get interactive with each and every one of uh, of you. Oh, yeah, and I mean, honestly, I don't know if like a lot of you are like me, but I'm kind of a lurker when it comes to things like this, but on the other hand, is if something that I participate in or can have like input... If someone asks me for it or like on podcasts that I listen to, if they say, you know, leave a review and, you know, participate, I'll do it because it's kind of nice to get that little, oomph, you know, that little push. So if you guys have been like dying to push that five stars, but have been like a little hesitant, what what's stopping you? What's holding you back? Push the five stars already. Just do it. <laughs> Super easy. You don't even have to write a review. Just hit the five stars. Counts it. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Of course. <laughs> We're trying to beat Joe Rogan. Yeah. Come on, we're right up there though. We're getting, we're gaining on him. Uh, no, we 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 love and appreciate the support. So, two more mile shout out. Yes, love it. Maybe it's Brooks. <laughs> Six stars after Kung Fury. <laughs> All right, what are we? Oh, yeah, okay, um, go so, for it. Yeah, so let's get into some indie film. Well, not indie film history. You're gonna you're gonna give us that after the Lighthouse review. But first and foremost, there is five major film studios out there. And the first one is Universal Pictures. The second one is Paramount Pictures. Third is Warner Brothers. Fourth, Walt Disney Pictures. And then the fifth is Columbia. Yes. So just a little background on that. And then we'll get we'll get us into some indie film history, how it came about after our Lighthouse review. And The Lighthouse was actually produced by A24, which has actually been doing... They've been doing a great job with um, pumping out some good movies. They are a very interesting studio because they're based in New York, which is kind of upsetting the mold because initially when film first started, they were based in New York. But I'll go into this more later, is they decided to move out to California because the weather was better. Film all year round, you know. New York has like kind of crappy weather sometimes. You know, Mm -hmm. yeah, really cold from November to March. It's it's a lot like Utah. So um, we did it. We saw the lighthouse, and um, basically, this movie is just about a guy two two people who work on a lighthouse. Um, one comes from Jesus of England. I'm guessing. We think, yeah, yeah, it's. He looks like he's a trouble Robert Pattinson's character, um, and he goes and he comes to the lighthouse on the rock on the small island with William Defoe, who's kind of the senior lighthouse keeper, and basically just things unfold they go from crazy. there, and it's just the two of them. Yeah, basically that's basically the preface, the summary of the whole movie, and it was 
we're going to get into this is our review no spoilers we'll definitely get into spoilers we're going to dive in we hope we hope you saw this movie if not then geez go see it asap it's being played at a lot of cinemarks I think Cinemark are, are behind um, this movie. Not a lot of the megaplexes. Here, oh, interesting. But it was, it was, it felt like a movie watching in the 30s and 20s due to the black and white. And it was one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will be blunt. And that's the thing about Ke- Keeks and I. Keeks is kind of like, you know, the, the expert behind the film, so to speak. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like the listeners. I'm the average guy that will go watch a film. And I, I give my opinions. I give my takes. We got that sweet I, I, lo- dude, I love that description, though, because, I mean, like, for me, I remember being seven years old, sitting down and watching Ebert and Roper, like, watching them review movies that, like, I'd never see. You know, I'm, like, 10 years old watching them review The yeah. Departed, which I just watched for the first time, like, three years ago. So I oh, don't know yeah, what just, yeah. like, ca- it just captivated me, the way they talked about movies as if they were paintings or drawings. And I never thought of them before like that, but... I mean, I'm convinced that directing a film is the hardest medium of art that you could be a part of. And holy crap, Robert sure. Eggers, he directed the heck out of this movie. What I, I I thought it was absolutely amazing. It's a little weird, but honestly, it's like not as weird yeah. as The Witch, I didn't think. Um, and I haven't, I haven't seen The Witch. What I liked about The Lighthouse is I thought it was going to be like, like a, an intense horror, but it's not. It's uh, there's no jump mm-hmm. scares, not like not once did I feel scared or spooked out, so to speak, during yeah. the film. So that was kind of a pleasant surprise, but it's very much like a psychological thriller. You have to interpret what is happening, like what is behind the scenes. And like I said, this film is not for everybody. I I know Keeks, you would recommend that everybody goes to see this and try something different. What I which I could agree on. But if someone came up to me and said, hey, what movie should I watch? I would not recommend The Lighthouse. I would say, hey, if you really want to watch a strange film that will make you think, go see The Lighthouse. Yeah, I like how you put it that way. Because honestly, for me, I would say, look, if you want to test your brain a little bit. And if you if you want to go, I feel like a lot of people come out of movies like this and be like, oh, like I didn't get it. Like I thought it was boring. It's like, well, you know, it's not Star Wars. It's not Transformers. You're not supposed to go in and be entertained and just like turn your brain off. And I don't want to sound, you know, I don't I don't want to sound too artsy fartsy, but you kind of got to pay attention. Not a ton, but you got to know what's going on because there are a lot of things that are hidden in the frame. There are a lot of eh, what I love about this movie. is It's also ambiguous, too. You can take your own thoughts away from it. And Robert Eggers has his vision. It's very hard to understand. The dialogue is taken directly from lighthouse keep journals and specific authors from the time period. So a lot of the time you're sitting there and you're just like, what the frick are they saying? I don't know what they're saying. That's how I felt at least. Yeah. And this, and this would be kind of a fun movie to rewatch, especially I think William Defoe gave an, an incredible performance. Sheesh. Yeah. I mean, he could, he could get up for an Oscar. I think Robert Pattinson did fine. I wouldn't say like, wow, oh, Robert Pattinson really? was amazing. I thought William Dafoe was better. I thought I thought Robert Pattinson was good, but William Dafoe was like, he sold the show. I mean, it's William Dafoe. Come on. He's, Who he's a scientist of himself, you know? I'm, some- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm somewhat a of a light keep myself. myself. You know, <laughs> it's, you know I, I think this so, movie just goes to the- show if you're hesitant about <clears throat> Robert Pattinson, also, if the only thing that you know him from are the Twilight films, 
Wake up, people. Come on, smell the roses. He's amazing in this movie. He's amazing in a movie called Good Time as well. And perfect casting for Batman. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, he he fits the Batman structure, and and he I don't know what kind of agent he got, or he, if he went more to film school or acting school, but yeah, he's doing a lot better. I'm excited to see what he does. Like I said, Robert Pattinson was good in this film, but William Dafoe was was what one I really oh. enjoyed. So, anyways, I'm gonna give this film, and I'll get into reasons why in spoilers. I enjoyed it. It was very weird and strange. I felt like the ending was. Hmm? Didn't really care for the ending. And it dragged a little bit, in my opinion. And I'm not a horror guy. I'm not this is not like up my alley of film. And I know like Keeks is kinda up your alley. But I'm gonna give this movie a C. Oh my, my gosh. A yep. C A C <laughs> Dude. All right. Let's let's get All into. Right. I, 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 I know you're great. I know you're great. That's right now. We're getting into spoilers right now. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Give give your grade. I know what your grade is. Yeah, mine's an A plus. I know. <laughs> Holy crap! I did not think you were gonna. Oh my god! See, that's what I like about this is I don't know what you're gonna give it beforehand. Sometimes we tell each other, but for specific yeah. movies we won't. And yeah, why I'm shocked. But I love that. I, right. I, I, I love your opinion we, on it. Are we ready for spoilers? Yeah. Let's go into spoilers. I'm going to count it down. All right. You ready? Three, okay. two, one. Sweet. Hey, guys. It's your boy, the Sweet Keeks. Just to let you know, this is a very spoiler-filled uh, review. So if you want to avoid those spoilers, skip to the timestamp of 3134. Where we'll start talking about if we saw Jesus is king or not. What was in the light? <laughs> what, what What's what? in the light? What's in the light? All right. Um, here's my thing. I like this movie that's open for interpretation. And C, a, a C grade is not a bad movie, in my opinion. Like that. Anything below a C to me is is bad. Like 70%. That's like a 7 out of 10, you know. Yeah, but like when you're looking at grades, though, like, okay, I don't know. Here, so hold on, hold on. C's get get degrees, bruh. (laughs) I know that more than anyone else. (laughs) Trust me. Um, What I have for a C this year is the Lion King remake. Or I have like Happy Death Day to You. Mm, Okay. Like, I I don't know. I could see you giving it like maybe a B. But tell, why why did you give it a C? It's just, it's the fact that I really can't recommend this movie to just an, a normal average viewer this is an acquired okay. taste of a film which which i appreciate like i i appreciated this film like i'm glad i went and watched this so we can review and talk about it but it is very it's very strange it's a little bit eerie um i didn't understand the whole the whole mermaid aspect and that was like okay you know like obviously he's He's deprived. He's got to fill his canteen a little bit somehow, some way. <laughs> that was weird. That was a little out of context. Um, thank, thank goodness William Defoe wasn't farting all the time. I was like, please don't beat a dead horse. And only he only did it a few times. And some of the humor was actually pretty good. Sometimes it felt like, all right, that's a little out of place. I don't know. I thought it would have been, I kind of wanted a little bit more 
almost craziness. It just felt like, oh, this that was it. You know what I mean? See, I thought that the way that they portrayed their, you know, their spiral into madness was so cool. You get the the beginning where, yeah, like Willem Dafoe's character is just kind of a crotchety lighthouse yes. inspector who's been there for a long time, and and Robert Pattinson's character has just gotten to the island. His name's Ephraim. He's kind of like taking this old man's crap and cleaning up everything. The, but the light keep Willem Dafoe's character makes it very apparent: I am the one who will watch the light. And so the whole time in your movie, you're like, it's in the light. So I really like your description of why you gave it the grade you gave it. I cannot knock you for that. Yeah. I 100% agree with your grade. And I, I appreciate that. I know you, for example, and also we, we, we like Stuckman, one of our other a good movie reviewer, Stuckgo. This is his first A-plus he's given in two, roughly two years, right? Since Lady Bird, yeah. Since Lady Bird, yeah. So like that, that speaks volumes, and that's what I like about film and, and movies in general. They're very polarizing. Like People love The Last Jedi, for example. We've mentioned this before, and people are going to love Lighthouse, and people are not going to love it, and some people are going to be kind of like me. Like I'm very, yeah. So yeah. here's my interpretation. I watched this movie with Seth, and I want to include what he said. And then, Keeks, I know you have a great breakdown. I want to get to that. And your interpretation, but these are these are what I thought about the film. Is Seth thought that the actual island of the lighthouse was purgatory, okay. and um, there you could kind of go into heaven or hell, and that was um, yeah, purgatory was there in the lighthouse doing work and whatnot. And then he also mentioned that there should be subtitles, and I agree with him. Uh, there was times where I was like, "What? What are they saying?" So oh, first first fifteen minutes, you have no idea what the frick they're yeah. saying. <laughs> it's My <slutty>. yeah. <laughs> And my, my interpretation of the film is that curiosity kills and that obsessions can drive you insane when you think about something, when you're curious about something. I think we've all been in that situation where we're like, what is going on? Where we assume that something is happening, but it's actually not. You know what I mean? And that we Yeah, get your brain is consumed by it. Exactly. You can't think about anything else. You are actually obsessed by it. So... With Robert Pattinson's character, I thought he was just absolutely, he got obsessed with the lighthouse and what was actually in the lighthouse. And he would see um, William Defoe's character just on the lighthouse, standing in front of it, like absolutely naked. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah. soaking it in. And that drove him to eventually kill him. He gets to the top, he sees what's in there. And then lo and behold, curiosity kills, falls down the stairs dead so that was kind of my interpretation i know there's others and i i really liked yours that you shared but uh that's something that i kind of took from the film is you know obsessions can drive you insane so dude i i like how you pointed out you know how he obsesses over things i mean the first thing that he obsesses over is the little carving of the mermaid it's like yeah. he doesn't like he sleeps with it next to him he always has it in his hand or in his pocket and then it evolves you know he eventually starts obsessing Brace. over the seagulls breaks and he breaks the mermaid yeah and he kills a seagull you know yeah. it's after he's after he's over each obsession it progresses to another one and then to another one where like you said he finally reaches his ultimate goal and it, it kills him now i've got two right here and my main one kind of goes with seth and kind of with yours is you can't cheat yourself into heaven. You know, he, the movie goes is first 
uh, Robert Pattinson's character gets to the island. He lies about his name. He's trying to trick the lighthouse man into, you know, not knowing who he is. And things come to fruition where you find out that Robert Pattinson's character's real name is Tom, not uh, Ephraim. And he's not even from England. He like has a Bostonian accent at the end of the movie. He goes crazy because he's not able to keep up this facade of tricking others in order to get to heaven and get what he wants. You know, if he just follows the lighthouses, the lighthouse keeps instructions, he'll be able to see the light. But he doesn't. He kills the lighthouse keep. And one of my favorite shots of the movie is when he finally gets to the light. It's like he's finally in heaven. He's finally reached his goal of what he's wanted to do. But, you know, God knows that his you can see his face is just covered in blood and he's just all black and bruised. It's like, you know, you're going to get to heaven, but we're like, if that's your goal, God knows what your actual actions are and you're going to get your just desserts. So while he maybe thought that he got there, he's kicked out. He's launched back down to hell because that's where he deserves. And he didn't do, you know, he didn't live his life right. He didn't get there the right way. And he doesn't get what he earns, doesn't get what he wants. Mm-hmm. And, and now even, I, I love that real quick. And even William Defoe mentioned to him like, hey, eventually you will be the lighthouse housekeeper. Oh, yeah. And so like he, he even nodded like, hey, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll eventually take my position and I'll just ride out in the sunset. So he I does like say that. that. I yeah. really like that. There is one moment, though, where, you know, when he's lead, reading the Lighthouse Keeps book and he he yells at Willem Dafoe's character, you are going to, like, give me severance without pay. Like, also, Willem Dafoe's character was kind of, you know, cheating him over a little sure. bit. Yeah. But I do like what you're saying, though. Overall, like, if he just kept working hard, he would. You know, Willem Dafoe's character is much older. He would die. And, you know, he, he tries to hide the fact that he doesn't kill the seagull. He kills the seagull. It's just a lot of trickiness, which leads me into what I think the real interpretation of the movie is. The old, the last scene, like the denouement, is Robert Pattinson is naked on the rock, and he's getting his innards eaten by seagulls. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, what? Where have I seen or heard of this image before? I'm, and I turned to Becky and I said, isn't there like a Greek poem that talks about like someone's eyes getting eaten while they're in hell or something like that. So right after the movie's over, I Googled just eyes eaten Greek. And it came up with the poem, or it came up with the character of Greek mythology, mythology Prometheus. Do you know what mm. Prometheus is about? Mm. Enlighten. Okay. So Prometheus is a titan, culture hero, and trickster figure who is credited with the creation of humanity from clay and who defies the gods by stealing fire and giving it to humanity as civilization. The lighthouse is used to humanity in order to help guide them to the rock. But he's also known for his intelligence and champion of humankind. And his punishment as a consequence for the theft is Zeus... Binds him to a rock where each day an eagle is sent to eat his liver. Hmm. And that's the last scene is just seagulls are like eating at his innards and eating at his liver. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's got to be like some sort of representation of the story of Prometheus. Robert Pattinson's character is Prometheus. Uh, Willem Dafoe's character could be Zeus or could be anyone who's involved who gets probably Zeus. He gets his light stolen. And. That's Robert Pattinson's character's fate. Just liver eaten by eagles. 
Hmm. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. Now, yeah. is there, has it officially been released? What the interpretation of this movie, like what Eggers was trying to portray read up on that? No, it's just like the, I, I just feel like the whole plot of the movie of, you know, Robert Pattinson's doing everything to be able to get to the lighthouse. And while it's not exactly the Prometheus story, the story of Prometheus, it has a lot of parallels. So that's yeah. kind of what I took from it too. Definitely. You know, and that's, that's what I like about this. Like I said, it's always open for interpretation. I, I, I do enjoy watching those type of films that are kind of mind bending and it makes you kind of come up with your own interpretation. It makes you think. And that's what I did appreciate about this film is it made you think. I just thought the ending was a little lackluster. But then again, with you describing that, it, it makes sense. What were, what were your favorite parts? Give me like two or three of them. Oh, the favorite parts is when he broke the mermaid because I knew there was going to be no, no more of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. And, you know, geez, just in general, like William Defoe's character, I thought was just, I think the argument when he was getting really ticked about the lobster and he got super <laughs> offended about that. I thought that was really, I thought that was well acted. So that part was good because Robert Patton's like backing up and he's like, um, it's actually okay. So <laughs> he's like, oh, is that what you want to hear? It's your lobster, I'm, I'm sh- it's good. I'm sure they had a blast just filming this, th- them too, you know? And it was, oh, yeah. And there's like four people. It's just basically Pattinson and Defoe. And then you have the mermaid who pops up and like some visions. And then there's that other guy, that, that, that younger figure who's, uh, I, I'm guessing yeah, it's alluding I, that, to the fact that Pattinson, he killed him or something like that. Or yeah, that was that, like uh, a yeah, crime he committed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, what about you? Two favorites. Yeah, oh, dude, I loved the when he gets to the light and you can just hear him screaming and just staring like his face. You can see his face reacting to what he's seeing in the light, even though you don't know what he's actually looking at. I thought that was I thought that was a really cool image. The image of Willem Dafoe like catching Robert Pattinson, who's like hidden, um, quote unquote hidden his like real self and is going back to check on him. You see Willem Dafoe's like naked and there are lights coming out of his eyes. I thought that was a really cool image too. Mm. And I, I just, overall the acting was so good. It was so cool to see. It's so important to see the facial expressions of actors when they're acting. I feel like it kind of lets you know how serious they're taking everything. And, and it, at no moment do you think, oh, that's Willem Dafoe acting. It's like, it feels like it's an actual character. And Robertson, Robert Pattinson's character feels like an actual person instead of, oh, that's Robert Pattinson, but like dressed up like a sailor. Yeah, yeah. And they really took to this, this film to heart. You can definitely see how serious they took it. And I hope, I hope it gets, you know, some Oscar buzz, especially Dafoe as like a supporting actor. That'd be kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. I think it will this year, dude. The acting category this year is so stacked. I think he has a great chance to win, though. I mean, great as Joaquin Phoenix is, but but Defoe, <sighs> yeah. Defoe would be supporting and Joaquin would be leading. Yeah, I guess Robert Pattinson would. Well, I don't know. They could put. I think Robert Pattinson will probably be leading. You know, yeah. Willem Defoe will be supporting. Yeah, but I see. Yeah, um, no. It, yeah, what a so that's that's the take of the lighthouse. It's still in theaters, folks. Go see it. Go get your own interpretation. And unfortunately, we did not get to Kanye West 
<laughs> Phil? No, no, we, me and Becky were going to see it, but she had a migraine on Friday. And then oh, on Saturday shoot. we were traveling to go to the movies. So we're going to go see it tomorrow though, or Tuesday. So we'll give a little reaction of it on the, on sweet, the, sweet, on the sweet Jesus is King. I mean, it's, it's only 31 minutes, but Hey, it's still a documentary. Yeah, go pay ten dollars to see the to see it at the IMAX. At the Megaplex. Shoot, I might just go see this on Tuesday. Free? Oh, are you kidding? Stop. I might fly out and st- I might fly out there and see it with you. Well, um, I, I might not. So <laughs> I'm right. ready. I know a lot of our listeners are ready for a little history lesson of indie films as we round out our top five. Yes, yes, because I did some research about it. I went online. And I wrote like a little, you know, just like a little tidbit to give you a sweet film history lesson. Um, Basically, independent cinema is any type of filmmaking that takes place outside of the mainstream commercial film industry or films or filmmaking practices. And yeah, so it's just anything that might be a little bit different. It's pretty up to interpretation, but everyone I think can understand. You understand, like for you, what do you think an indie film is? You know, I just think it's, yeah, like a film that's kind of its own thing. It's outside of the the, the major categories. It's like a, I, I like to kind of see it as a mom and pop shop. You know what I mean? Yes, just I like the, that. Just on the corner of the street. They're not owned by Costco or Walmart or anything like that. It's just their own little little grocery store. And you're like, yeah, let's go eat some sweet tomatoes. And that's kind of how I view some independent films, and they're not so reliant on the major features, and they they really take care of you know the film that they're trying to produce and get made. While not that the five major companies are not the film studios are bad, but I feel like a lot of sometimes a lot of their movies they pump out are just a bunch of popcorn, you know, CGI fest movies. No, I one hundred percent agree, and this whole. And that, that leads me into how the whole indie filmmaking movement started was in 1908, they were trying to go against the Edison Trust, which was the first kind of official big studio, which was founded by Thomas Edison. So they were trying, indie filmmakers were trying to make films, but Thomas Edison was coming after them with copyright infringements, with, you know, all sorts of basically dumb reasons to be able to attack these independent filmmakers because they weren't going through his corporation. He had a monopoly over movies. Then, as the years went on, like I had mentioned earlier, filmmakers were starting to do more in California because the weather was better. So in 1923, that's when big companies moved out west to California, and Warner Brothers was like the first major film studio out in Hollywood. And one of the movies I'm going to talk about today actually kind of was set or is set around this t- same time for this same time period. Now, while you have Hollywood, California, you also have a bunch of other film studios outside of the United States and London and Europe trying to make movies and trying to form their own product products. So in 1924, they started their own little group and made, they showed two short films and one of them was directed by Charlie Chaplin. I mean, like, if I don't know. Have you seen a Charlie Chaplin movie? Like a silent movie before? Dude, I've seen so many highlights of them. I feel like I have. <laughs> <laughs> I know. In like every film class, they'll show a little montage and make you watch it. Yeah. They're actually really fun. Yeah, they, it, seem, they seem all right. I, you sound so, con- <laughs> sound so convinced <laughs> of that when you said it. 
No, yeah. Like, it's like when you go to someone's house sure. for dinner, they're like, hey, how is the food? And it sucks. And you're like, yeah, like, it was good. Like, yeah. You <laughs> Thanks. Know, you want to. Yeah. <laughs> then you go home and you just spend all night on the toilet or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I just or you just to go to McDonald's it. after. Uh, oh, yeah. Big time. Got to. And so that kind of sets the stage for you. Now, over the following years, independent filmmaking, you know, still did well. It was still growing. It's just kind of similar to how it was. But once World War II happened, there's a big spike. There's a big downfall of independent filmmaking and films in general because film was expensive and it was being used to film the war. And after World War II happened, TV caused downfall in um, in film. So big corporations started to create widescreen movies and market them to the masses while indie filmmakers were starting to do low budget like sci-fi movies to entertain small groups of people. That was in the 50s. Now, for my favorite sweet movie morsel that's going on. Great, my fire alarm's going off. <laughs> was <laughs> is there a fire? Morsel of the day. I hope not. We're making dinner, so maybe there is. Probably a good <laughs> chance that there is. In 1978, the first independent film festival was started in Salt Lake City by a Brigham Young University student named Sterling Von Wagham and his partner, Lori Smith. Now, when I read this, I was like, wow, 1978 in Utah, that's I had no idea the first independent film festival was going because they were popular in the 70s because independent films were still popular. Later in the 80s, this film festival was purchased by Robert Redford was turned from a seven-day festival into a 10-day festival, moved from Salt Lake to Park City, and this is what we now Dance. have as Sundance Film Festival. Why? And I thought that was so cool. Wow. And, yeah. That's so it was started by just a graduate from, B- from Brigham Young University. And Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, all have gotten their starts from Sundance. Have you been? Have you ever gone to visit Sundance before? No, I, I actually really want to this year. I'm, I, I might really try to make an effort to get there, rock some sweet film talk gear, have a sweet film talk <laughs> meetup, <laughs> and, inter- and interview some of these independent filmmakers and let them know that we have Take 55 is dedicated to them. <laughs> Shout to, here's to all of you. Robert Eggers, yeah. come on the pod. We yeah. loved your mo- I loved your movie. I want to talk hot. with you. We want to talk with you. That's a really cool history. I did not know that at all. So that's a that's a, that is one of the hottest movie morsels we've had on this pod. Yeah, I, cool. I was I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. So yeah, Sundance Film Festival is officially the first uh, independent big film festival that started. And since then, you've got TIFF, you've got um, the New York Film Festival, you've got Cannes. Yeah, yeah. But, but it, what was the most interesting was in the 90s is when you saw independent studios starting to change their focus because big movie studios were trying to you know bring in the masses trying to make entertaining movies while companies such as miramax which is a little problematic now just started to do introduce focused awards focused films so they've got you know award seasons that out around then they'd have small budgets but big stars attached to these movies huh and i think the most infamous slash famous example of this is shakespeare in love do you know the story about shakespeare in love you know i happened? don't is, is is there a fire in your house you might have to go check 
I'm a little bit nervous. I'm, I'm sitting here, though. <laughs> it's, if it gets bad, she'll run in and tell me. Um, so Shakespeare in Love was the movie that beat Saving Private Ryan in the category. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we talked the about Oscars. this. Wild. Yep. I, which still to this day, I think is probably the biggest upset in award season history. I don't think you're it's wrong. Yeah. Mind blowing. And it accurate. all happened because the Weinsteins, they were great at schmoozing people. They were great at getting these old, old dudes who probably didn't watch the movies. And was like, Hey, you know, like come over, like come to this party with us and convince them to vote for their movie. Hmm. And that's what I've gathered. I don't know if that's 100% true, but from the research that I've done, that's how Shakespeare in Love came to beat Saving Private Ryan, which is a travesty in and of itself. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. And now we fast forward to nowadays where you've got tons of indie filmmakers. I mean, you can you can go out and become an independent film filmmaker off a shoestring budget, and these studios will come and they'll buy your script for millions of dollars sure it's I mean, just you've got to start you know I if, mean, you, if at, there are any of our listeners who I mean, want to become kung, look at kung fury the story of peanut butter falcon you know oh my gosh 100 percent. you know kung fury with triceracop and with all of you know all sorts <laughs> of other people exactly he was uh, just a little triceratops of the dream he was and he did his job you know that's, that's really the well big, biggest thing that is wild. That's really interesting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Keeks, thank you. Appreciate that. And it looks like the fire alarm has subsided, so we're good. Perfect timing. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Becky. So uh, now we want to get into our top five, our personal top five favorite independent films that we have seen as, um, as we round out this pod because, I mean, geez, it's we, you've you've got our review on the lighthouse. You got the sweet movie morsel, and now it's time to finish with a bang. So, are you ready? I'm so ready, dude. This, my list is very weird, so <laughs> I'm excited to go over it. Okay, my number five might be you. Might have this in here is Lady Bird. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I really liked Lady Bird. I thought it was, thought it was really okay. relatable. It was funny, and yeah, it's just a good film. It's, you can watch this film with anybody, and. Lady Bird, number five. Wish, wish me luck. <laughs> luck. <laughs> I love that little line in that movie. I love Lady Bird. I love that choice. It, it, heartwarming. It Very is. Very heartwarming. Yeah. I like um, Timothy Chalamet as an actor, but in that movie, I can't stand him. Oh, yeah. He's for the worst. good reason, because, you know, that's what he's supposed to be. Um, my number five is a movie that was filmed back during the, you know, the research, you know, the formations of the bigger movie studios. It is a Spanish film called Un Chin Andalou by Luis Buñuel and Salvador Dali. And it's a Spanish avant-garde film from the 1920s and came out in, yeah, 1920s. And it's just weird. It's a weird independent movie, but it just goes to show, just throw in some ideas, throw in some sort of, you know, throw in images. This is just in the start of the film era and you can make something. It's only like 20 minutes. It's got a lot of famous scenes from the movie. I think it's silent and great example of indie filmmaking. You know, you've got a weird vision, put it to screen. Someone will get it if it's good enough. Yeah, exactly. People like weird. Normal's boring. 
Get out. Oh, yeah. And this one's weird. <laughs> this is like, this has the infamous scene where like someone cuts their eye open with a, with a razor. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, no, really good. Eat it on a full stomach, you know, eat like a nice big bowl of tortellini while you watch it. <laughs> I love tortellini. That sounds great. I might, go I, to gro- I might go to the grocery store and get some. Oh, dude, I've got a great recipe for a tortellini casserole that you'll love. Please send it. I need it. ASAP. ASAP. I'll for send it to you right now. <laughs> Uh, my number four is also very similar to Lady Bird. It just, you know, it's Napoleon Dynamite. Are you I kidding? I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> this film as a kid was so fun. I remember the f- second time I watched it, we were on vacation with my family. And just the first scene, I just started giggling. I just started laughing so hard. And it's still iconic. I mean, my boy Gardner Minshew for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the QB. Um, oh, that's Rico. right. I mean, gosh. So I think this Napoleon Dynamite's fun. It's just a cult classic, and it is my number four on independent films. I love that. My One of my coworkers talks to me a lot about Napoleon Dynamite because he knows I'm from Utah. Even though it's filmed in Idaho, I love it. You know, it's like even Pete, you know, it's a, it's a far-reaching movie. It's so fun. Um, my number four is a mockumentary that came out in 1996 called Waiting for Guffman, which it is. It is a riot. It is based around, it's based about a town, fictional town in Blaine, Missouri, celebrating their 150th anniversary of being a town. And it, call, and it stars all sorts of people you've heard of, you know, Christopher Guest, uh, F- uh, Fred Willard, Catherine O'Hara, who is in Schitt's Creek, S-C-H-I-D-T-S is the name of the town. It's a TV show, which is really funny. And Eugene Levy, who's also in Schitt's Creek, stars in it. And they formed like a comedy troupe and they've made a bunch of movies. Um, another one is a mighty wind and best in show. They're just these quirky, like document mockumentary movies that are really funny and they're complete indies that I think anyone can pop in and enjoy. Wow, man, this is a your four and five spot. I've never even heard of. This is interesting. I'm like, yeah, they're great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're so funny. Huh? And what was it called again? Repeat it. Waiting, waiting for Guffman. Okay. Huh. It's a, um, my gosh, what am I thinking of? It's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's quirky and it's, mu- and it's mainly, um, improv. He is. Okay. Yeah. 1996. Yep. Okay. Love that. Um, I recognize most of the people in it too. <laughs> my number three is by Quentin Tarantino. Can you guess it? Reservoir dogs. My guy. Yep. Reservoir Dogs, which I think is better than Pulp Fiction, in my opinion. It's a hot take. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this film because you can just see it's a low budget, but it's just, it's got like a, it has a fun twist in it. The acting is superb. And geez, I think that the the film takes place in like just basically uh, five locations the whole time. It's a very very um, limited number. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Tarantino was just going to make the movie for like $60,000 with him and Harvey Keitel. But Keitel was like, no, like I'll get the movie and I'll get you some more actors into the movie. So they were able to raise the, um, what's it called? The budget up a ton, bring in some extra people and made, yeah, like you said, one of his best movies, if not his best. Yeah, it's this, this is a critically acclaimed uh, great movie and I really like it. It's, it's good. So Reservoir Dogs is my number three. Um, my number three is... One that I've talked about a little bit, but I think this encaptures the the heart of indie filmmaking is the Blair Witch Project. 
directed by mm-hmm. Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. $60,000 is what they made this movie on. They just like put an ad out. They invented the the lore of the Blair Witch and they just filmed for like a few days in the woods. 20 hours of film, cut it down to like an hour and a half, released it with all of the viral marketing of all of the actors either dead or missing. Dude, it made $250 million at the box office. It just goes to show wow. that like if you think you have a good idea, go make it, man. And, and if no one Dang. will go make the movie with you, get some money together. There's a great video by Mark Duplass called The Calvary Is Not Coming. And he explains step by step if you want to make an indie movie. If you want to make your own movie, you can totally do it on a shoestring budget. Interesting. Yep. So that's my number three, Blair Witch Project. Love, what a great horror. Love that. Didn't that come out in the late 90s? Yeah, 99, I think. Yes, 99. Uh, my number three is, I mean, number two, excuse me, is Letty. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. Moment, that helps me decide dude, my number Memento two. Memento is a sweet movie. That was such a ride watching that with all y'all. I loved oh, Memento. Was. I have not seen it since. I really am, am eager to watch it again. But this is just a fun film. It's cool. And Memento is my number two. If you have not seen Memento and are looking for a little bit of a, I wouldn't say it's a psychological thriller. It's just kind of a little bit, but it's just a nice, yeah, definitely. sweet, mind-bending type movie. And Guy Pierce does a fantastic job. And this is one of for Nolan's yeah. first film directing. And so. one of his bests, too. Actually... He's made great movies, but yeah, it's so cool to see like these these filmmakers who started out so small, Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan, in the indie filmmaking scene, and look where they're at now. Yeah. Making original movies based off their own ideas, getting paid millions of dollars to do it. Incredible. Um, I'm so glad that you said Memento is your number two, because I had Memento, or my actual number two, Donnie Darko. Ooh, that was, that was also my top five, but I kicked it out for Napoleon. But I love that. That's a good, that's <laughs> yeah. a great one. Richard Kelly, uh, the soundtrack is so good. Oh my gosh. And uh, one of the best covers of all time, Mad World by Gary Jules is in it. Oh, what, um, just what a, a, what a f- crazy story. Jake Gyllenhaal, one of his first roles, he's awesome in it. A weird Seth, movie, Seth but Green. so good. Hmm? Seth, uh, what? Seth Rogen, not Green. Oh, is he in it? Seth Rogen's in it, yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Sheesh, I need to watch again. I've seen it so many times too, but it's been a while since I've watched it the last time. Great horror movie, and I think it's it's on Netflix. So yeah, go stream it if would you want. Would that be considered horror? I would. I kind of do. Horror's so subjective, it's hard sure. to like classify it. Yeah. Frank um, the bunny. Okay, so for me, my number one, I love your number two, by the way. Donnie Darko saw that first time like months ago. Loved it. Oh, I love my that. My number one is terminator the first one really Mm -hmm. the terminator 2 is not independent film right no it's not okay but the first one is no definitely a first one yeah Yeah. and i thought i I thought the first one was great i think uh it's a pretty i think the terminator 2 is better than terminator but it's a very small gap i really liked the terminator the first one and it has james cameron again you can just first movie made yeah you can just see like the heart and it just starts 
you know, the <laughs> starts the ball rolling with for all these Terminators. I mean, for 20 more years, we're going to get more Terminator movies. We're getting one this week. this one. <laughs> Which is supposed to be good. So I'm kind of excited to see it. Yeah. So the Terminator um, is my number one, and I, I think it's a great that. film. It's iconic, and it leads into one of the greatest sequels of all time in Terminator 2. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, my number one, we've already talked about it, Reservoir Dogs by Quentin Tarantino. Wow, I didn't know this was your number <laughs> one. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I tried to base my list around like kind of what, you know, what has the like indie heart to it. It's like all these movies were just like small shoestring budgets, but artists with a vision that they wanted to come, you know, that they wanted to realize. And Quentin Tarantino, I think, is the... He's still, all of his movies have an indie feel to them. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood doesn't feel corporate at all. Like yeah, we said in the beginning, yeah. you know, indie filmmaking is any type of filmmaking that takes place outside the mainstream or commercial film industry or filmmaking yeah. process. And that's 100% what this does. Quentin Tarantino is the master of nonlinear storytelling, unconventional storytelling, and it works so well. It really does. What a, what a fun watch. And it's a short watch, too. It's, geez, like an yeah. hour and... Um, like I believe it's on. It was on Hulu for a while. That's where that's I watched it. it. That's where I watched it. Yeah, that is. Huh. Love that top five, and um, we're gonna give you guys a little sneak peek. Peaks. What's what's coming up this week, guys? We, we thought we tis the season, my favorite time of the year. It's a little bit of Halloween. We got a special Halloween episode coming out for you guys this week. We will be dropping it on All Halloween's Eve, our second annual Halloween special. Take a look out for it because we got a great theater review and some great options for horror movies to stream. Mm-hmm. That'll be for Take 55. Just love it. All we, right. We've been working hard on this too, so it'll be it's going to be really fun. Yeah, it will. And that's your favorite holiday, right? Halloween. Oh, hands down, man. Or Thanksgiving. Okay, I'm I'm a Christmas guy. Like when when, when we come up for Christmas on the pod, I just, I'm going to pump out Christmas movies. <laughs> oh, like might get my mom on for some Hallmark seg- segments. Can you imagine just every day release a pod about all the Hallmark movies? Um, okay, yeah, that's it for Take 55, folks. Stay tuned for Take 56, um, the Halloween special. We're really excited uh, to share that. So, everybody, yes. just stay sweet. Stay sweet. Sweet. sweet.